Welcome to the number one cookbook podcast, Cookery by the Book, with Susie Chase. She's just a home cook in New York City, sitting at her dining room table, talking to cookbook authors. Hi, I'm Sky McAlpine, and I'm a cookery writer. My latest cookbook is A Table for Friends. For more Cookery by the Book, you can join me over on Instagram. And if you like this podcast, please be sure to tell a friend. I'm always looking for new people to enjoy Cookery by the Book. Now on with the show. Katie Amore Taylor of the Katie Considers blog wrote, You are the most perfect person to turn to if you're looking for inspiration in the kitchen or setting our dining room table. I could not agree more. So when you were six, you and your family moved from London, where you were born, to Venice. One special thing about this cookbook is it's your take on Italian food combined with your husband's Australian-Italian heritage. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yes. Um, Well, for me, these are all recipes that I make often, you know, that are really part of our family life and um, it's called the table for friends because for me a huge part of that is our friends you know who come and join us for you know Sunday lunch or supper on a Tuesday or whatever it is are an extension of that family so it really is kind of food to share with the people that you love and I think um, I've been thinking about this quite a lot recently and I think food we kind of all tend to speak in a language of food there are kind of certain dishes and ingredients and ways of cooking things that um, we grow up with and that I guess our families give us as children um, you know as as teenagers as young adults become part of our language and then as we make our own connections and our own life choices and maybe go on our own travels or our own experiences we add to that language and it becomes richer for it and it evolves a bit like kind of actual language so for me it's it's a a lot of Italian influences a lot of in many ways Venetian influences a lot of the food that I kind of grew up eating or that I might have kind of tweaked the recipes a little bit or acquired this recipe maybe I was on holiday somewhere and had a dish that was like particularly amazing and came home and recreated it and then that became part of the repertoire of the language of food that I use regularly and a big influence of course has been my husband we first met you know his first week at university so we were both 18 so we've been together a long time and he is of Italian heritage his grandparents emigrated from Sicily to Australia after the second world war like a lot of Italians and then lived in Australia which is where his father was born and where he was born so a lot of the dishes like our favorites of his like there are a couple of recipes for meringue cakes which are sort of halfway between a pavlova which is like his favorite thing in the world to eat and a kind of cake because I kind of make like these tears like circles of meringue and pile them up one two three on top of each other and layer whipped cream and maybe like fresh fruit or lemon curd or sugared chestnuts or something like that between each layer so it kind of influences from my own family and from my new family if that makes sense (laughs) I love that you don't call yourself a chef you call yourself a self-taught cook tell me about your obsession with cookbooks oh my god I just (laughs) 
<laughs> my favorite thing um it's it's borderline unhealthy for me they're almost like children's books but for adults i know that seems mad but nothing bad ever happens in a cookbook only good things happen right. in cookbooks <laughs> <laughs> apple pie and ice cream and <laughs> all sorts of amazing happy things happen in cookbooks i'm hugely fascinated by food i'm a very very greedy person i love eating i love the rituals that surround the meal and the food but I'm also endlessly fascinated by the stories behind food and I think people so many authors and cooks tell those stories so beautifully in cookbooks literally my dream afternoon is to kind of snuggle up in bed with a mug of hot chocolate or hot tea and a pile of cookbooks and just kind of leaf through them and dip in and out and read the stories and plan what we're gonna eat tomorrow and literally that would be the dream for me (laughs) you wrote a table for friends just as you cook how should we be using this cookbook um i kind of divided each chapter by where you cook uh the food so recipes that you just throw together where there's no actual cooking in a traditional sense of a world involved. It's more about assembling ingredients and tossing them together and bringing them together to make something delicious. Uh, Recipes that you cook on the hob and recipes that you cook in the oven. And then I also find like when I plan a menu, I basically have like one star dish and that could be like a really scrumptious frittata or it could be, I don't know, like a macaroni pie, you know, like puff pastry filled with pasta or something. Thing, but it's like one big central star dish and then I do a couple of like sides to go with that which is usually like a salad if the main dish is meat or fish I might do some potatoes or a couscous or something like that to go with it or roasted fruit or what have you and then I'll always do a pudding because I just kind of like love a pudding so the other kind of division in the book or the other theme in the book is instead of doing kind of starters and then main courses etc I've just got stars sides sweets and at the end I've got a little chapter called extras which is sort of for when you want to go that extra mile you know you feel like making your own mayonnaise or homemade mayonnaise which is so good and so easy to do but so unbelievably delicious to eat or you might want to pick your own loaf of bread to go with lunch like they're not essential to the meal but it's the little extra special touch so speaking of pudding you don't do starters or the kind of fiddly dishes you might find in a restaurant but you do do pudding on an extravagant scale as an american i have a different pudding experience from you (laughs) can you describe the pudding that you make well pudding is I think it's like an English colloquialism. Pudding for me is basically like the sweet or the dessert. So it could be anything from ice cream to a meringue and whipped cream cake to apple pie. I do this one that I absolutely love that's in the book. It's like one of my absolute favorite recipes. It's kind of like really custardy apple filling. And then it's got like a worn up buttery sugar crumble on top. So pudding for me is that, but I think in the US pudding is like kind of, it's more like a sort of creamy dessert, isn't it? Like a sort of set jelly. Yeah. Yeah. Which I also (laughs) am a big fan of. So So I watched your Vogue video with Hamish Bowles and he asked you, how do you chop garlic? I laughed so hard. (laughs) He is just so darling. He's, he's wonderful, but he is quite fun because we filmed that video at the very, very start of lockdown and 
kind of within weeks, he turned into this kind of cordon bleu chef. I mean, he was texting <laughs> me photos of what he was cooking and it looked amazing. It was kind of like duck à l'orange and oh um, homemade bread and kind of, I, I basically wanted to move in and live with him so that I could eat his food. <laughs> you know, he lives a few blocks from me and I'm always looking to run into him to be like, hey, Hamish. <laughs> It's Susie. <laughs> he doesn't know me, but I would love to know him. Um, so <laughs> your first step in planning a lunch, dinner, or party is planning the menu. What goes into that? You know, I'm all about making your life easier and simpler. I think the simpler you can make the business of cooking, the more likely you are to do it. So when I'm planning the menu, I obviously thinking about factors like how many people have I got coming over? This is less relevant today, but, you know, am I cooking for 20 people? In which case, you know, I want to go for a dish that is very low maintenance, not something that involves a lot of like fine chopping or complicated timings or cooking in batches or anything like that. You know, I just go for something really simple that I can pop in the oven or prepare in advance and leave as is. Um, how much time have I got? If I don't have much time, then really pairing everything back and thinking, you know what, let's just do really good shop-bought ice cream for pudding from the gelateria with cones. That's like everyone's favorite thing to eat or something really, really quick and simple. Like one of my other favorite recipes in the book is like frozen berries with just like a melted white chocolate and saffron sauce. And you literally just melt white chocolate and some cream together in a pan with a little bit of saffron. So it goes this kind of gorgeous, like sunny yellow. And then after dinner, you sort of put a bowl of frozen berries in the middle of the table and pour the hot sauce over it. And it kind of goes it's like sticky and fudgy and it's completely delicious but it literally probably take 10 minutes to make if that so that's the kind of dish that I will really do if it's a busy day if I've got a lot of work on if I just for whatever reason don't have the time or the inclination to cook I kind of choose dishes like that again it goes back to this thing of like thinking about my kitchen so again if I'm cooking for a lot of people I'll think about things like oven space and if I am doing something that involves roasting in the oven I might just quickly try and put the roasting trays that I'm going to use and try and fit them all in the oven as I'm planning my menu just to check that it will all fit rather than kind of going out doing all the shopping setting my heart on that menu and then just as I'm starting to cook realizing that I can't squeeze it all in the oven that's when it becomes stressful is oh, when I you have that. moments like that yeah <laughs> me too I've definitely been there <laughs> many times <laughs> You're also a huge fan of dishes that can be made well in advance. Yes, that for me is the absolute dream. I love that because I really enjoy cooking. I'm really happy like pottering around in the kitchen, an audiobook, listening to a podcast or just kind of lost in my own thoughts. And, you know, I'm happy cooking. What's not fun is when you're cooking and you've got other things that you need to be doing or you're racing against the clock or there's this added element of kind of stress. So I think if you can prepare in advance... It just makes any party or any meal that you're cooking so much more relaxing because you know that that bit is done. If you've made your frittata ahead of time, like I do this, it's in the book, like four or five different kinds of cheese and spinach frittata. But I might assemble all those ingredients two, three days before actually cooking it. And then I can cover it with some cling film, keep it in the fridge or if I or freeze it. And then when the evening comes, all I need to do is just pop it in the oven. And that just makes it all so much 
much more relaxing. So your father, Lord McAlpine, had a cupboard of curiosities as a child. Did you take after him with your love of objects and art? I guess so. I mean, both my parents are very, you know, my father was and my mother still is very visual people. They both have a very strong sense of style and definitely growing up in Venice, which has got to be one of the prettiest cities in the world. Um, always very aware of aesthetics in a way and of the fact that a few small beautiful touches in your world even if that's something as simple as a bowl of sunny looking lemons or you know at this time of year like a lovely big bowl of pomegranates or something like that sitting on your kitchen table these small beautiful elements can transform your day and your mood and over time it makes your life better to be surrounded by beautiful things um so that's definitely been i think a big influence for me since childhood i feel very lucky to have grown up with parents who kind of taught me to value beauty around you and value sort of taking the time to create it but also the ability to sort of see it in smaller more unusual things whether that's a bowl of huge red onions or a beautiful painting. So talk a little bit about setting the scene where the foundation of a good meal is the table. I love a table that feels really welcoming and I think it's such a fabulous thing if you feels almost like you're having a party or it's a special occasion and actually it's just supper on a Tuesday night but that just makes that Tuesday that makes that whole week more memorable and more special you know I love decorating the table I, I use a lot of candles everyone and everything I think looks more glamorous by candlelight so lots of candles and flowers when they're in season I think obviously so beautiful but also even just using fruit you know great and plums and cherries and peaches in the summer months and apples and pears and the autumnal months just sort of big bowls of them on the table it looks so beautiful and so inviting and it does create this sort of sense of relaxedness what I love about that is like you'll all have dinner and then you'll find that sort of after dinner that bit where you're kind of lingering on around the table relaxing maybe having a coffee or a tea chatting people kind of help themselves to the decorations and eat a little bit of a plum and have a cherry or two and it's just really relaxed and fun um and i also find kind of bluntly put decorating with fruit is not so wasteful or expensive like i love flowers but can often be quite extravagant whereas fruit is more affordable and also once i've used it as decoration i will we eat it you know either in, in cooking i might make a pie or an apple crumble or whatever it is I'm a big fan of, of that for the table. And, you know, small touches like actual cotton or linen napkins, I think, is a small touch that can feel so luxurious. It sort of sets the tone for the meal to be a special meal, even if actually you've just ordered takeout. Putting a few candles on the table, maybe a jug of flowers, what have you, laying the table nicely just makes the difference and elevates the food. I adore how you mix and match china. Are they all family pieces? No, they're most, I mean, some are odd bits and bobs that I've inherited from my parents or that they kind of had lost interest in and I scooped up like a magpie. But many are pieces that I find in charity shops or on eBay, um, secondhand. Some are new pieces. I just worked recently 
on a tableware collection with anthropology so I've got a few of those pieces dotted in there so it's a mix of old and new um, a lot of old and like you say completely mix matched I kind of love that um, I think it makes the table feel more colourful it makes it feel a bit more relaxed because I think you want beautiful plates you want it to feel like a special occasion again but you never want to sit at a table where everything is completely perfect and precious and so perfect and precious you're kind of sitting there thinking oh god I don't want to drink from my water glass in case I break it <laughs> so I think that by mixing and matching things you do kind of add a feeling of relaxedness and casualness to the meal otherwise it can be a little sad to kind of buy a, a beautiful plate and then never get to use it because it's too precious <laughs> so I bought your teal and white splatter serving bowl from your anthropology collection oh. and I cannot wait for it to be delivered either today oh, or tomorrow i'm so excited so i love oh, I it i hope you enjoy it um i hope you enjoy it yeah that was a really fun collaboration to work on because as you know i love um china and plates and all things tabletop <laughs> um but also part of what i feel is my experience pragmatically as someone who sort of taught themselves to cook is that in terms of making the table look beautiful is it's a lot about the plates because a lot of really good food if we're being really honest is quite brown um it often tastes delicious, but it, maybe it doesn't look so appetizing. Um, but I think if you put it on a colorful, beautiful plate, it transforms everything. So it was really fun to kind of create some of my dream pieces. So over the weekend, I made your recipes for burrata with preserved lemons, mint, and chili on page 24, and strawberries and lemony syrup on page 192. These are two quick and very, very easy showstoppers. Can you describe them? Oh, yes, chosen two of my favorites. <laughs> um, the burrata is basically you just buy burrata, which is, um, as you know, it's an Italian cheese, a bit like mozzarella, but the middle is kind of buttery. So it's sort of creamier even than mozzarella. And you can buy it uh, definitely in England. You can buy it in most supermarkets now, definitely in Italian delicatessens. If not, if you can't find burrata, just a really good mozzarella is delicious as well. And then I just get preserved lemons and just slice them up thinly and sprinkle on top maybe with some chili flakes a bit of mint or you could use thyme like whatever you like a drizzle of olive oil and literally that is it but it's so yummy and fresh and creamy and this is it kind of what I love about it is it's again this notion of throwing things together this style of cooking that doesn't involve pots and pans so if you're working from a galley kitchen or a student kitchen or your oven's broken or whatever it is you can still create something that's that you really want to eat that you're really proud to serve to the people that you love but that doesn't actually involve any cooking and similarly the strawberries and lemon syrup what I find is you just like slice them in half and then squeeze over them a little bit of lemon juice and sprinkle over a bit of sugar and let it sit for maybe half an hour so you might do that and then you go and have your lunch or your dinner and then by the time you come around to eating them they've kind of macerated and these almost pastel pink syrupy juices have formed and it's just so delicious now to my segment called last night's dinner where i ask you what you had last night for dinner oh it was so delicious again it was one of these things that didn't look very appetizing but it was a really cold day yesterday here and i was really craving like comforting warming nourishing food so i made the soup with um lentils and lemon and spinach it was just what i felt like eating last night it was really really good 
get. Where can we find you on the web and social media? SkyMcAlpine.com will soon be coming <laughs> to the internet, hopefully, when I get my act together. And I, mostly I'm on Instagram, which is at SkyMcAlpine. And that's where I share most of my things that I have to share, recipes and snapshots from daily life and points of inspiration. Well, this has been so lovely. Thanks, Sky, for coming on Cookery by the Book podcast. Thank you so much for having me. It's been such a joy chatting with you. Subscribe over on cookerybythebook.com. And thanks for listening to the number one cookbook podcast, Cookery by the Book.